Welcome to the First Mentor Podcast. Here, you will hear us talk about a variety of topics for the entire family that will hopefully spark a discussion, create a new curiosity, or simply teach you something new. The goal is to inspire you to learn life skills and soft skills not taught in school and prepare you to live an extraordinary life. Come on and spend some time with us on your commute to school or anytime you're free. mentees and family of mentees. Thank you so much for joining us for episode 48 of the first mentor podcast. And this is your host and mentor Vanessa Yang. Now, if you listen to episode 40, you're already familiar with the first part of our discussion with John Almager, where we focused on talking about paying for college. Now you're listening to part two of the same discussion where we focus on credit cards, building credit, and payments and expenses related to owning a car. Now, we at First Mentor Podcast really appreciate your continued support and would love it if you can share a podcast with your friends and family. And now, without further delay, let's continue our conversation with John. We discussed a lot around paying for college, but the other pitfall or danger that lurks on college campuses when you start a credit cards, right? You oh, yeah. and I both discussed when we first entered college, you see those tables, you're amazed. You walk on campus, you're looking around and there's those people waving at you and say, come, come here. We have something for you. Sign up and you get free, I don't know, t-shirt, whatever they're giving away at this point. And it's about them having you sign up for credit cards. Now, if you've never had the discussion, you don't know what you're getting yourselves into. So let's talk about credit cards overall. Oh, two biggest dangers in college. One is drugs. Two is credit cards. Um, yeah. <laughs> because, <laughs> Big one. yeah, you just sign up for it. And then all of a sudden, the credit card company gives you $5,000. And it's kind of interesting because before this, you know, I knew we were going to discuss a little bit about credit cards. And so I went onto the website just to see what interest rates credit cards are charging now. Yeah. And it's crazy. They're charging anywhere between 15 to 25% yes. on a credit card. Let's just say you got a credit card, you spent ten thousand, and the interest rate was fifteen percent. Your monthly payment would be four hundred dollars, and it would take you over twelve years to pay it off. So, wow, you got to be disciplined. I'm, you know, you know, when every time I pull out my credit card, I say to myself, "Is this something that I need, or yeah. is this something that I want?" You know, I, I kind of play with it in my hand a little bit. But that's the difference between I think the the generation of today versus my generation. You know, when I wanted to go see a movie. You know, my mom would give me 20 bucks and that was it. Yeah. And with that money, I had to go, you know, I wanted to go see a movie and that's popcorn, that's soda, or is that video games? So I kind of had a, you know, <laughs> I had to be very careful on how I spent that. Mm-hmm. You had your today's limits generation, there. Yeah. Today's generation with credit cards, it's kind of like an unlimited aspect for them. You have to teach them. Yes. To be very careful on how they utilize the card mm-hmm. because this Absolutely. Is people don't understand. Let's say, for instance, you did get yourself in a lot of credit card debt. Later down the road, there's something called your credit score. Yes, let's talk about that. Yeah. <laughs> and your credit score has a lot to do with later down the road, with you by being able to buy a car, with you being able to buy a house. Yeah. And not only do you have the ability to buy it, but what kind of interest rate they'll charge you on that. So true. So 
it, it sounds funny, but even after when you get out of college and stuff like that, and let's say you go into the professional world and you know, you're like, I think I'm at a point now in my life where I think I need to meet somebody. You want to, you know, have a relationship. Of course. I'm telling you, first thing you want to ask him is what's your credit score? <laughs> because if that person has an awful credit score, I've seen it happen. When someone, you meet somebody and they have an awful credit score, that could prohibit you guys from buying a house or buying a car. I mean, it's crazy. Yeah. Especially when a relationship becomes serious, right? You need to know those things. Yeah, because that's something that you impact. You did something when you're young 20s and you spent all this money and you didn't pay it and you missed payments and all this good stuff. You're like, ah, no big deal. I just get a letter in the mail. It's not going to impact me on my life. Yes, it does. And the Mm -hmm. scary thing, too, is that if you get out of control with credit cards and you kind of mess up your credit score, it could also have an impact on your job. Yes, so true. So true. You know, because a lot of times now, whenever you go apply for work, one of the things they do is they'll run your credit score. Yes. And the reason why I'm telling you this is I would hate for you to get all excited about acquiring a job and you tell your whole family, you know, I'm going to be working for this company. And mm-hmm. then the company comes back going, no, we're not going to hire you. And you're like, why? And they say, well, you have bad credit yeah. because you did something when you were younger and you missed payments and you didn't pay it or whatever the reason is. And I would like to prohibit that type of embarrassment. You want to be at a point where if you're going to utilize the card, you want to be very careful. Yes. And you have to be responsible. Oh, how's that word? That's that's a grown-up word. It is very grown-up. But I love a lot of the things you said, and I want to take a step back really quick. When you think about credit cards, it's not free money. It feels like free money at the moment, but I would call it more delayed payments. Instead of Mm -hmm. paying now, you pay later. Because I remember when my kids were younger and they wanted a certain toy or something. And I said, no, mommy has no money. I'm not buying it. But she's like, you have a credit card, just use that. And I'm like, we had to have that conversation. It's not for free. I'm using it, but I have to pay a month later, right? There's responsibilities involved there. So it's not free money. I just wanted to make that point very clear. And I love what John said about credit score and credit history. I see this as your report card for life. It's stamping you as a responsible person, as not a responsible person. It lists out a lot of flaws for a long time. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and you're kind of bringing up a good point too about the way you teach your children because children learn from their parents about money. I never really thought about that till, like I said, until later in life where, you know, my mom would just give me a certain dollar amount and that was it. And so- Mm -hmm. As an adult, that's how I, I I still live like that, where, you know, even my daughter, I just give her X amount of dollars. I don't give her a credit card. I give her mm-hmm. X amount. I go, this is the amount of money for your trip. You know, how you spend it is up to you, but this is all you get. So even in her mind, she starts thinking, how am I going to spend this money? What am I going to use this for? Yes. How is this money going to last me for whatever duration of time? It actually gives her a skill of being able to manage or budget her money, which is very important to learn. So true. So true. What I want to go back to is really teaching the kids a concept. It's finite and you need to learn how to manage it and make choices, right? Now, just like you said, I have a hundred dollars and I want to buy a dress that's 99 and Mm -hmm. I still have to pay for dinner and pay for, Mm -hmm. you know, dessert and a drink that I want to buy. Well, guess what? You already above that. So mm-hmm. really, maybe you shouldn't buy the dress for $99 because you have all these other things. And Exactly. That's where, as a parent, I think that's great that you have that conversation with them mm-hmm. saying, okay, this is your money. And then, like you said, when they see the dress, like, well, 
what do you do? You know, you're going to look good, but you're not going to be able to eat and drink. How's that? Like, <laughs> exactly. Oh. You know, allow them to kind of let that sit in their mind and let them think about it. And then it allows them to make the decision. That's the biggest thing I see about people is that whatever decisions and choices you make, there's a result that happens from it. Yes. So and true. I think that if you teach them that, you know, you're going to make decisions, mm-hmm. good and bad. Yeah. When it comes to financial, you've got to definitely keep your focus on that. You've got to know what you're doing. And I wanted to go back to what you said earlier about the long-term impact of your credit score, right? In a credit score system, and maybe I'm going too technical, but I'm trying to keep it easy too. Just for our listeners to understand, there's three major companies out there that kind of rate you. So you could get a report card, so to speak, from them. And there's detailed information about, have you paid your credit cards on time? And how much credit do you have overall, right? If you have three cards and it's $2,000 each, it's 6,000 overall. But how much of the 6,000 do you use? Do you use all 6,000 of it or sometimes go above? Or are you just using $100, right? So it really lays out everything. And to your point, what do you need a credit score? One of the things when I was young, I didn't realize I was the complete opposite. When I saw those tables of credit cards, when I was raised in Germany, we don't use credit cards. There's not, they are not as credit card happy as the United States. Mm-hmm. So I've learned just like you did, everything was cash. If I don't have the cash, I'm not buying it. So when yeah. I saw those tables, I didn't understand it. So I walked away from them. But then I realized on the flip side, because I didn't know, it kind of hurt me too. I didn't know I needed to build a credit history to when I was ready to get my first cell phone, I applied for it. Mm-hmm. And they said, you have no credit history, meaning you've never shown that you're a credible person, a responsible one that will pay back her debt. So sorry, you're not getting no phone. That was a harsh reality for me. And it trickled down to other areas too. So really hiding from learning about financial matter is not the solution either. You really need to equip yourself with the knowledge. Oh, this is key. When you talk about financial in general, yeah. You know, this is something that's very personal. I mean, you can go talk to your neighbors going, hey, neighbor, what's your credit score? <laughs> They're <laughs> going to look like you like, are you crazy? Because it's a very personal aspect. And a lot of times you really don't know what other people have in regards to credit score. So and, and even financials in general, it's typically something I'm not going to say it's taboo, but it's something that we usually just don't have a conversation with most people. It's so just, true. It's just not even among, you know, you can have siblings and you don't have that conversation. Yeah. That's where a lot of times, again, where what I call getting your financial house in order, mm-hmm. you got to know what your budget is. You got to know what your expenses are. When you come see me, sometimes it's when that financial stress is, is having another impact on other parts of your life. That's why it's very important that at the age of you know, 16, 17, 18, got to be able to know your numbers. Yeah, absolutely. And I also wanted to mention getting a job. Because I didn't know that either. When you go through interview process, right, it's hard. You have a hard time, but you finally conquered interview one, interview two, interview three. And Mm -hmm. they say verbally to you, we're going to make you an offer. We want you to come on board. But before that, we need to do a background check on you, which many times includes checking your credit history. You do not want that to be the point of them saying, oh, this person actually shows that she's not very responsible. So we're going to rescind or not make the offer, right? The other part is when you're ready to go, yeah, you want your own independence. You don't want to live with your mom and dad anymore. (laughs) Guess what? That's another point. Okay. I I think I can afford this. Now you go and apply 
leasing an apartment, right? Mm-hmm. And guess what your landlord's going to do? They're going to run your credit history too, besides mm-hmm. asking you for a down payment, but I'm, I'm not going to go into that right now. And mm-hmm. if they feel based on your credit history, again, you have not been responsible. You're not getting that apartment either. Yeah. I, I think the word responsible, I think we said that a couple of times. Yes, couple we did. <laughs> and, and it's important because again, it's part of being an adult and you know, is that you have to be responsible for how you spend your money yeah. because it has other impacts that you don't even see that are going to come and hit you later in life. Yes. So, so true. Let's talk about maybe a little bit more technical pieces of credit mm-hmm. card, right? So you apply and they assess you and they say, okay, you're worth $1,000 line of credit, meaning you could charge up to $1,000. And then there's other aspects. Like John mentioned earlier, there is interest. You have to pay by the fifth of each month, but you're not paying your entire balance because sometimes they can say, oh, here's your minimum of $25, but you charged up to 1000 Well, guess what? The remaining $975 are now subject to the interest rate John mentioned earlier, anywhere from 15 to 25. I've even seen them in the 30s before. Yeah. To me, that's why I said credit cards are too dangerous in college. This is where they kind of, not going to say where they get you, but let's say, for instance, you get in at the lower tier and let's say, you know, you're starting off and interest rates at 15%. Yes. And let's say you max out that card to $1,000 and they're saying, okay, it's $50 a month. Like you said, it's the fifth of the month and you forgot, you know, that happens, you know, yeah. you, now it's the 10th of the month and you pay it. Well, typically there's also a late fee, yes, which could be, you know, 30 to $50 that can happen. And not only that, but let's say they started you off at a 15% interest rate. Mm-hmm. If you're constantly late, that interest rate, they have the right to be able to, to increase it, maybe potentially up to maybe even 30 to 40%. Wow. I have seen that and it just blows my mind when you think about it, that you bought something and and think of it this way here, let's say, for instance, you're going to buy something for a hundred dollars, just, you know, make things easy. Yeah. And you're like, okay, I think this is a good deal. But if I said to you, it's going to cost you $130, would you still buy it? And you go, no, well, that's interest. Yes. (laughs) When you use that credit card, you know, that 30%, that's an extra $30 you're going to have to pay on it. That's the way I think in my head is when Mm -hmm. I'm buying something, and that's the thing. I pay off my credit cards once a month. I have zero balances, but that's the way I was partly raised because I yeah. watched my parents on how they dealt with their credit cards. But my point is, is that if you saw something that you wanted, wanted, not need, wanted, <laughs> let's say it's it's $100, but you know, again, you put it on your credit card and you're like, wait, my credit card's 30%. So I'm not really paying $100 in my head. I'm really paying 130 because I don't pay off my credit card. Is it really worth it? Yes. It's such a good point. So I just want you to kind of, you know, when you're going to use that credit card again, is it a want? Is it a need? And if this was 30% more, would I buy it? And if you say no, well, then you might put the credit card away and you might just save money to buy that, or you don't really need it at this time. Yes. No, it's so true. I think overall, I'm pretty good with paying my credit cards off before it's due, but there were cases I went on vacation. I forgot about it. And I remember one time, I think I only bought something really cheap, like $25 or something like that. That's the only thing I had on my credit card that month for Mm -hmm. that specific card. But because I was late, I was charged interest and $39 of late fees. Mm -hmm. So my late fees cost me more than the item I bought. 
So the item I bought, which I thought was on sale, cost me more than double. Yeah. Plus the interest. So yes. very dangerous. I feel like you are not good with these matters of because you're still new. You're still trying to learn these things, yeah. right? Maybe just be very careful. You gotta find ways to ensure you pay on time, or maybe like John said, only what you need, not what you want. Really have that discussion with yourself until you kind of conquered. The financial matters and understand it well. Yeah, or, or the great thing also is that if you have a checking account, you can go ahead and set up automatically money from that checking account mm -hmm. to pay that credit card on time. That is something that if you want to be disciplined, yeah, you know, sorry about the grown-up word again, uh, <laughs> discipline. You know, that's what you do. If you know your payments on the fifth of the month, well, then you know on the first you should at least make up, you know, right, you know, have money from your checking account go directly to pay that credit card. Yeah. So that's one way. I mean, for myself, all of my expenses that I have, mm -hmm. my water bill, my electric, my credit card, my car payment, everything is automatic. Yes. I don't even think about it. it that's just actually happens. a really good point. Setting up a system is a very, very good point. One thing I've learned to do is, let's say you have three different credit cards. You can ask them to have the due dates all around the same time. Mm -hmm. So I'll give you an example on mine. I know my closing statements ends around the 10th or the 12th every month. And I have until the 6th or the 7th of the next month to pay it, right? So like around mm -hmm. two to three weeks. My goal that I set for myself is because I know it closes around the, let's say the 12th, because every month has a 15th, right? So, <laughs> and every month has a first. So I intentionally selected that on the 15th of every month, I'm going to go check my credit card bills and I schedule it to be paid on the first of the following months. Yeah. And so that way I always remember. So let's say it's already the 20th. And I was like, did I pay my bill five days ago? I don't think I paid it recently. At yeah. least I still have a little cushion. So I'm not late yet. But yeah. setting very specific time has become a process for me. So I don't forget. You just got so many other things going on. Paying bills on my list is kind of like number <laughs> 15 or 20. Yeah. So that's why, again, I, I'm, I'm disciplined enough to know that let's just make it systematically automatic, just pay mm -hmm. it. Yes. And then I you don't worry about it. I always talk to about people about financial stress. You know, you don't want mm -hmm. stress in your life. If you don't want that financial stress, number one, make sure when you pull out the credit card, what you're using it for. And you're like, yeah, I'm okay with that. Mm -hmm. or, or this thing also, when you use a credit card, a lot of times, how does it benefit you? Yes. Oh, let's talk about that. Right before this meeting here on my phone, I got an audio book. Why? Because I'm going to be on the road tomorrow for about two hours. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I want to learn something. Okay. You know, it, it is kind of funny. I'm actually doing it on time management. Um, <laughs> I love it. That's a great topic, too. I paid for it with my credit card and I'm getting a benefit from it. So I don't mind spending money. Yes. Yes. It, considering what it buys you, right? What can you yeah. get from the credit card that's beneficial? It's a little bit more towards the discussion of the assets and liabilities, because if you pay towards the benefit of learning, of acquiring skills, then it's worth it for you. Yes. You know, when I use my credit card and I, I'm buying, you know, whatever I purchase, yeah. you know, that's all, you know, want, need, what do I get from this? Yes. And if I'm going to get something and, you know, it might be delicious food, it might be, hey, I'm going to look good, or it's going to help me mentally. Those are typically things I, I don't mind spending money on. Yeah, You work hard, so you do have to treat yourself a little bit, right? <laughs> so, that's good. And that's the thing also, budgeting to me is just like talking about dieting, right? 
Yes. I don't want you to be budgeting yourself financially where, you know, think of it like you're just eating, you know, carrots all day. No, you know, you got to be able to live and you want to be able to enjoy things. Remember mm-hmm. I was talking about quality of life. Yes. That's a key aspect of it. You know, as long as you're smart mm-hmm. about how you utilize your credit card, how you spend it. Yeah. I want to enjoy certain things in life and I don't want to be on a budget my entire life, you know, cause it feels like a diet that I completely so understand. Yeah. So don't be cutting yourself too thin. Make sure that if you are going to put yourself on a budget, Mm-hmm. that you do put in a couple of fun things in there, just like dieting. Personally, I can't diet if my life depended on it. I just can't. <laughs> I went three days without cookies. And I almost died. Yes, um, I hear you. It's hard. It's really hard. That's my joy of life too, eating good. You make a good point about talking about benefits of having a credit card because there's certain things you cannot buy without a credit card, especially correct. in the age we live nowadays, right? Mm-hmm. And I can tell you a quick story. When I first started working, I was an auditor. And part of my audit assignments, I had to travel out of state. And the company said, okay, Vanessa, you're going to book your own airfare and your own hotel, and we're going to reimburse you. And again, I was fresh out of college. Remember, I was the (laughs) extreme conservative one on the other side, where I didn't believe in credit cards. All of a sudden, I've learned, oh, in order to book a hotel and the car rental And the airplane tickets, I actually need a credit card. Mm -hmm. And that was a big dilemma for me. I was like, how am I going to do that? I actually had to ask a coworker to book it for me first. And people just looked at me like, what's wrong with her? She doesn't have a credit card. I believe there's balance in life and anything. You should never go extreme one way or the other, right? Just like John said, when you budget, don't just survive on water and air, but don't eat a high fat diet with everything where you're going to burst. It's same with your finances and your responsibilities around credit cards, balance, really know what you're doing because you do need it, especially in the United States to purchase certain things or even online. You want to buy things online. Amazon doesn't accept cash, not as no. far as I know. <laughs> so, yeah, and, and that's the whole thing is when you start talking about financial technology, I mean, yeah. we're going to be getting into a point where, I mean, I don't know about you, but I haven't been to a bank in probably about three months. So true. You're able to do everything online. Utilizing cash is getting less and less and less. So that's why with your card, when you're teaching children, you got to teach them discipline and how to utilize it and why they're using it. Mm -hmm. So true. Let's talk about another quick debt or loan, which is car loans, right? Yes. Um, And you mentioned earlier, sometimes when you graduate, you have your first job or sometimes even you turn 16 or 17 and you're still in high school, but you want to buy a car. Mm-hmm. What should our listeners be aware of when it comes to car loans? Okay. Buying a car is probably one of the most scariest things they ever do. I'm not trying to come down on the car industry at all. Mm-hmm. A lot of times, though, the car salesmen, those people work in a different game altogether. Oh, you yes. You go into the mindset of what am I going to need this car for? If it's just, look, I just need to go you know, from home to school, home to school or home to work only. I'm not really there to impress people. The aspect of, you know, is what number one, what kind of car do you need to utilize? Because like, if there's four people you need to take all the time, a little two-seater that you're looking at is not going to function for you. Yeah. The other aspect too that you need to look at, kind of think about is how long is will you keep the car? A lot of people don't think about this. You know, they want to look in a cool car. Of course. And the car's style changes every three years and then they have to get a new car every three years. Then it might not make sense to own it. It might make sense to lease it. Yes. Yes. The other kicker too about owning a car that again, remember I said about good debt, bad debt. If you're not going to keep the car, 
or let's say, for instance, you own a business. Yes. It might make better sense for you to lease a car than to own a car. But when you buy a car, you know, how much money do you have as for a down payment? Yes. That's that's the first thing mm-hmm. I would look at. There's plenty of websites where you're able to go and say carloan.com, let's say, for instance, mm-hmm. and they'll have a calculator on there for you. Yes. So before you even go to a dealership, before you even look at a car that you want, I would basically use the calculator first to determine that if I have $15,000 or $10,000 and the car I want is $30,000 and I'm going to have a $15,000 loan, Yeah. you know, first of all, go look out there, you know, what are loan rates? That's mm-hmm. the key. Also having a credit union belonging to a credit union is probably one of the best institutions to belong to because they're usually the ones with the lowest car loan rates out there. Yes. That would be number one. Now we'll look at number two. I would look at my, your current bank that you are banking at mm-hmm. and looking at what their car loan rate is. And then with that there, you could put that number into the calculator. And then let's say you, you know, you might have to loan for $15,000 and you could put in what the rate would be. Yeah. And remember we were talking earlier about FICA scores. Yes. Yes. This exactly. does have an impact on what kind of interest rate they would give you. Because mm-hmm. if you have great credit, let's say your FICA score is up in the 800s, you're going to get that rate. If you have bad credit, well, guess what? You're probably not going to get that rate. They're probably yeah. going to give you a higher rate. That's true. Your car is going to cost you more every month. Yeah. So I always tell people what you need to determine is if you're going to get a car and you're going to borrow, you're going to get a car loan, you need to know what your monthly payment will be first. Yes. Because not what the car is. Because once you're at a car dealership, it's kind of like getting <laughs> a candy store. You know, you just start yeah. I want this. I want this. And you're like, yeah, yeah. You just, you start turning the bobblehead. Yeah. I want this. I want, yeah. This is a great deal. Yeah. Yeah. No. First, before you even go there, make sure you know what you can afford. Make sure yes. you know what your down payment is going to be. Make sure that you know what basically interest rates they might be able to offer you. Yeah. Make sure you know what kind of monthly payment you can have. Because this thing also, what they do kind of bothers me. Most people keep their car between five to 10 years. That's kind of normal now. Mm -hmm. If you're going to get a loan for five to seven years, that's normal. But sometimes the dealership will stretch out the loan over 10 years. Oh, really? Wow. Yeah, I've seen that. Don't go in with that mindset. Go into the mindset that, look, I'm probably only maintaining this car for five years. Get a new car. Make your payments for five years only. See what the interest rate is. Mm -hmm. And then make sure that monthly payment, you could afford it. And then once you be able to determine what that is and you're like, okay, I can do this. Yeah. Then the next call that you need to be able to make is, or once you figure out that number, they need to call your insurance company. Oh yes. They, that's another one. Yeah. And then you need to call your insurance company and tell them like, look, I'm going to decide on buying this car and what's going to be my insurance on it. Yes. Cause that's part of your expenses too. It's not just the car itself, right? It's gas, yeah. it's maintenance and insurance. Definitely. Yeah. Cause you might say, okay, this is great. Cause you figured out a piece of paper that my, you know, let's say your car payment is 300 bucks and you're like, yeah, that fits in my budget. I'm good. Mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden your insurance comes in with $300. You're like, Oh, I wasn't expecting this. Yes. <laughs> yes. I had so to learn too. Yeah. Yeah. So that's why you need to determine appropriately when you're looking at purchasing a vehicle Actually, I was surprised to learn years ago when I did call my insurance company, because I think I bought the car already or I was about to, I forgot. But anyways, I've learned different car models, makes, because they consider it more risky. Uh It costs a lot more. I mean, besides how old you are, how many years of driving experience you have Mm -hmm. and and everything else, there's so many different criteria. It's probably another conversation, right? (laughs) But definitely the type 
model of the car is such an important point. I didn't know that before. The car that I have today, it's a two seater and it's, and by the insurance standards, it's not considered a sports car. Yeah. And the color red, I heard that too. The color red is costing you more. Oh yeah. (laughs) And the other point I wanted to add to that discussion is when you think about buying a car, we talked earlier about assets and liabilities, right? You might think, hey, a car is something I own. So maybe it's more on the asset side, but a car, and I don't want to go too technical and accounting in here. So I'm not going to talk about depreciation now, but what you need to know if you buy a car is the second you drive it out of the lot, it's worth thousands less. Yes. And that's when I had a discussion with a friend of mine because she can't afford a new car because she's been a professional for years. But she told me, Vanessa, I only buy used cars, maybe yes. one with less than 10,000 miles or less than a year because it costs a lot less. And I thought that was actually a very smart move of her. There's certain companies, insurance, I mean, auto companies, where the cars depreciate a lot faster than others. Oh. So if you're going to buy a car and let's say in five years, you're probably going to sell it. I would probably look at cars that are in 2015. Take a look at what the value is of those, of the same type of car, if it's still around. Do you mean the resale value or the, like, if it's still driving well? Yeah, because there's certain cars, I mean, I hate to say this, but after two to three years, they come off new models because they are just not built well. And Mm -hmm. some of them are very high, they're very expensive cars, but I guess if you have that much money, you really don't care. But for me, yeah, I have been the same loyal brand for like, 20 years. And uh, I hear you. Same here. We, we buy the same brands because we know it's going to last us for a while. Yeah. And I don't have to worry about it. I just maintenance wise. I mean, for me, it's about maintenance. I don't want to be stuck. I don't want, you know, my time is valuable to me. So, or my quality of life. And, you know, again, stress. I, I, I try to minimize stress as much as possible with my car. It happens to be one of them. Yes, that's very true. That's such a good point. Now, I wanted to ask you overall, right? You've been a financial professional for a long time. And we as parents, we wish we learned some of these lessons when we were younger, right? And you have a daughter who's a teenager. Being the finance professional that you are, what kind of lessons have you taught her as she's growing up that you think it's really important just because you happen to be a subject matter expert in this? The one aspect that I always try to teach her is is decisions. And I always limit her her with money. I always start off with the point like, here's X amount of dollars that you have. Mm -hmm. You can get whatever you want with it. And then when, when she's deciding on purchasing something, I'll just walk right up to her and say, what are you buying? Is this the only thing you want? Or are there other things you want? Uh And then I can see in her head, you know, I can see her kind of figuring out in herself saying, wait a minute, if I get this, I can only buy one item. But if I wanted to, I get two of these instead. Yes. It helps her to go ahead and, and already start, you know, thinking like an adult, what is the benefit do I get from it? And that's why I tell her whenever she looks at something, I'm like, well, how long are you going to keep this? And she's like, oh, I didn't think about that. So <laughs> Good one. I, I always try to help her think on her own about money. If I could teach a, a parent on, you know, how to help your children manage money better yeah, yeah, is let them make their own decisions because their own decisions will have their own results. She's learned. So she knows all the time, whenever I give her money for something, yeah, she knows it's limited. And I think that's the key aspect because you don't want your children to be where that's what they do is keep on coming to you for money all the time. The financial world, it gets a little scary. It does. And I think that's so good that you're teaching her that. She's so lucky to have you in this point because I feel like it's true to learn money is finite 
and it doesn't grow on trees like my kids used to think. Mm -hmm. We have to work for it, right? And decisions you make, there will be consequences and you have to bear them. And the sooner they learn it, the better it will be for them. Unfortunately, they become little adults way too soon and you cannot always be there for them and say, hey, be careful of this, be careful of that. It's really teaching them to become independent individuals as mm -hmm. soon as possible so they can make the right decisions for themselves. So I love that. Yeah. And they can make their own decisions. That's key. Yeah. You know, I work with younger adults. They go, oh, John, yeah, I've got $100,000 worth of debt. I'm not worried about it. My mom and dad are going to pick it up. And I'm like, excuse me? And, Ooh. you know, again, because in their mind, their parents have always taken care of them. So I see that from time to time, and that gets scary. The decisions you made now have an impact on your parents. And then I look at them and go, well, what kind of financial stress will that put on them? They kind of have to take a step yeah. back and they have to think about it like, oh, I didn't think about that. Yes. That's why mom and dad, you don't want to be endless money with them. You've got to make sure that money is finite. Great. You have given us really, really good pointers and you know, asked our audience questions that they really should think about, right? The mindset about money is so, so important. And you've given us a lot of pointers of, well, when you do this, have you thought about that? So these are really important conversations they have. So I really appreciate you coming on today and joining me with this conversations. And I really wish the youth of today can learn a little bit more because I want to kind of bring awareness to financial literacy. So thank you so much for joining me on this, John. No problem. Thanks a lot, Vanessa. Thank you. Take care. Hope you enjoyed our interview with John Almiger. He certainly gave us a lot of information about what to be aware of when it comes to credit cards, building our credits, car purchases, and expenses. Now, my challenge for you today is just to take some time and think about three things that you will do or avoid to have a healthy relationship with debt. How will you use it to your advantage versus letting debt control your future? And if you haven't had the chance to listen to part one of my interview with John, make sure to look for that episode and listen to it as well, where we discuss payment for college. Thank you so much for spending time with us today, and we'll talk to you in the next episode. Have an amazing day. Mm -hmm.